This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Planned Parenthood secretly built a huge abortion facility just 13 miles from St. Louis in Illinois. Using a shell company to hide the facility's actual purpose, the 18,000-square-foot clinic is now open. It's estimated that it could perform 11,000 abortions a year. How Planned Parenthood was able to keep its construction a secret for more than a year and what options are available to pro-life forces is the topic of today's program with Illinois Right to Life Executive Director Mary-Kate Knorr. And now today's Fast Track. The annual Value Voters Summit takes place this weekend in Washington, D.C. The summit features a number of workshops designed to inform people about how to promote traditional values nationwide, especially to the country's youth. It will also pinpoint areas where traditional Christian values and people are under increasing attack. Numerous speakers are scheduled, including Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar, Ambassador Sam Brownback, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, and many others. The United States Commission on International Religious Freedom Chair Tony Perkins and Vice Chair Gail Manchin yesterday announced the launch of the Freedom of Religion of Belief Victims List, which is contained in an online database. The Victims List was publicly unveiled at the International Religious Freedom Roundtable on Capitol Hill. The Victims List is immediately available to browse and can be found on the website www.uscirf.gov. Additionally, the Commission encourages the public to utilize the victim's intake form to submit information about victims who should be included. A link to this intake form is on the footer of each page of the database titled Submit Victim Information. Christian organizations are urging California Governor Gavin Newsom to veto a bill that would require the state's public universities to offer abortion medication through campus health clinics. If signed into law, the so-called College Student Right to Access Act would take effect in January of 2023. Newsom has until this coming Sunday to make a decision. Commonly known as the abortion pill, the prescription medication provides a non-surgical process to end early pregnancy for women who are less than 10 weeks along by blocking hormones needed to sustain pregnancy. Former California Governor Jerry Brown vetoed a similar bill last year, saying that such services were already widely available to students. Newsom, however, spoke in favor of the bill on the campaign trail. It's estimated that more than 500 students at the University of California and California State University campuses seek medical abortions every month at off-campus health care sites. Planned Parenthood Votes has launched a campaign to flip the Senate and defeat President Donald Trump in 2020, and they say they'll spend at least $45 million on it. The Super PAC branch of the abortion organization focuses on abortion policy and supporting pro-abortion laws. The campaign will be aimed at funding large-scale grassroots movements as well as media and mailers supporting abortion candidates in local, state, and national races. Specifically, they plan to target Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Planned Parenthood lost millions of dollars in federal funding earlier this year when the Trump administration banned abortion referrals from the federal family planning program. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi. 
I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's in New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt, and we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, Matt, let go of me, man. No, no, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. No. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. While the state of Missouri's only Planned Parenthood abortion facility may soon be forced to close, Planned Parenthood secretly built a huge facility in Illinois, just 13 miles from St. Louis. How is it possible for the abortion giant to spend a year constructing an 18,000-square-foot facility, one of the largest in the nation, with its identity unknown? How should pro-life forces respond? Illinois Right to Life Executive Director Mary Kate Knorr and I discuss the situation today on World Lutheran News Digest. Ms. Knorr, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about the Illinois Right to Life Organization? Yeah. Uh, so me personally, I have been in this role as executive director of Illinois Right to Life for almost two years. Prior to that, I was in politics. Um, I worked in conservative politics and was a communications major in college. And really my goal, I guess you could say, was that I wanted to communicate truth to people across the country. That's really what I'm passionate about. Um, eventually, I sort of experienced a turning point in my career that I realized the pro-life issue was really at the heart of truth. And if there, you know, I worked for candidates and politicians who uh, some did put that pro-life value at the center, others did not. And those ones that really made pro-life the core of their work were by and large the most trustworthy, the most compassionate, uh, the best people to actually serve the public. And so this is where I kind of took this turn and decided to go into pro-life work full-time when I just really realized that that was sort of at the core of what I believed and what I felt was important. Illinois Right to Life, our organization, is an education organization in the state of Illinois. We focus primarily on educating the people of our state on pro-life issues. We also have a legislative advocacy arm, Illinois Right to Life Action. So we do uh, do some work in Springfield and in other parts of the state where we actually advocate for life from a legislative perspective. So this you know, clinic that was just built inside of our border, uh, just outside of the St. Louis area, is really at the core of all of these things, right? Because we want to 
educate the people of the state on abortion issues and also on what's going on in Illinois. But this clinic, we believe, is also a direct result of legislation that was passed in Illinois this last spring. Well, that's one of the things I want to go into. You know, the state of Missouri has been uh, very, very proactive in the pro-life movement. In fact, we're only down now to one abortion clinic, where Illinois has Mm -hmm. essentially enacted the most liberal abortion laws in the country. While this is going on, how could the Planned Parenthood people get away with constructing a secret facility? How did they do that? It's pretty remarkable. So, and I like to set the timeline for people because I think it's important. Um, So in July of 2018, Justice Kavanaugh was appointed to the Supreme Court and almost immediately Planned Parenthood and other abortion organizations across the country came out publicly and said that they were going to leverage states like Illinois in the event that Roe v. Wade was threatened. So we know that Justice Kavanaugh was uh, was, approved through the Senate in the fall. Uh, August of 2018, so only one month after he was appointed, was when they broke ground on this facility. So they have been anticipating this from the very beginning. In terms of the legislation that passed in the spring, in terms of how they actually constructed this facility, they created a shell company that allowed them to really construct it secretly. So no one in the community knew a Planned Parenthood was being built. It was under the name Project Alaska. Uh, And we don't know too much about that. I'm in the process of investigating, you know, from a legal standpoint, how they were actually able to do this and why this was allowed. But the point is they blatantly lied to the public because they knew that the backlash would be overwhelming and that it would be unlikely they would be able to fulfill this construction and actually complete the project. Didn't they have to go before a planning commission and state the case for for building this? One would assume, and it appears that they just had a very very elaborate shell company invented that they were able to bypass all of those, all of those obstacles, all of those, you know, checkpoint pieces of the process uh, to, and and now they've been able to, you know, a year later to announce it through this CBS article um, and really shocked everyone in the state. No one knew it was being constructed or expected it. Well, I noticed that the spokeswoman for Planned Parenthood actually was very upfront about saying, yeah, we did this so that we could avoid any kind of controversy or people opposing it. I have to ask, is it legal how they did it? Again, I'm, I'm in the process of investigating that. We work, we work closely with the Thomas More Society, um, and I'm in the process of trying to find out whether or not that's the case. You know, it's a funny thing in Illinois. There are a lot of loopholes, and... The abortion industry specifically has really found they've really gotten it down to a science in terms of working their way through with these loopholes that they can maneuver the system and achieve their goals without actually getting caught up in any legal trouble, which is a a travesty in and of itself. We see that with a lot of other areas as well. You know, the regulations and inspections of abortion and clinics in the state are virtually non-existent. You don't, not a single Planned Parenthood that currently exists in the state is licensed or inspected by the Department of Public Health and has been since 1999. So they are already bypassing a lot of laws and the law has really been written to allow that opportunity for them. So it's hard to say whether or not they've broken the law. We're not sure yet, but I, you know, I can certainly tell you that they, they manipulate the system for the sake of achieving these goals that they have. What can the pro-life forces do? Yeah, th- and thank you for asking. So uh, on our, the immediate action that we're taking on Wednesday of this week at 530 down in Springfield will be, I'm sorry, not down in Springfield, down in Fairview Heights where the new Planned Parenthood has been constructed, will be rallying in front of that facility. 
So we intend to gather with the Students for Life of America, with their regional group uh, from the St. Louis area and also from the Illinois area. Uh, Their groups are going to come together and we're going to rally with them and some other pro-life organizations, both from Missouri and Illinois, to, you know, really draw attention to what Planned Parenthood did here and what they will do moving forward. I believe that the number of abortions that will occur out of this facility annually moving forward is around 11,000. So that puts them at the top three in the country. Well, that was going to be my next question. How many abortions will be processed through there? 11,000 annually. Yep, that's that's my understanding. That's correct. It boggles the mind. Tell me, uh, will there be continued presence outside of the abortion clinic? I know many abortion clinics throughout the United States now actually have almost a permanent group of pro-life people in front urging women not to kill their children. Will this be done the same way with the Fairview Heights uh, facility? Absolutely. We've already been in touch with a lot of pro-lifers in the area who are gearing up to be outside praying and uh, counseling women down in front of that facility. And, you know, for anyone who's seen Abby Johnson's movie Unplanned, there's a statistic they share in that movie that is particularly striking. They talk about how the the failure rate of they have a no show rate of about 75 percent for women who have scheduled abortions at clinics where people are praying outside. So when people are praying outside, their success rate drops significantly. Um, A lot of women women inevitably don't go into the clinic. So just standing outside and peacefully praying really, really helps. And anyone is welcome to do that. I mean, I myself as a, you know, a private citizen, whenever I'm passing by a clinic, I try to make a point to just stop and say a quick prayer. Um, And I think that a lot of other activists do the same. So if, you know, there are people in the area listening to your program who want to know how to get involved, praying in front of the clinic is a huge way to have an impact. How can people get in touch with the Illinois Right to Life group? Sure. Our website is IllinoisRightToLife.org. I'll spell it out. There's a lot of information about how to get involved and, you know, different programs that we have going on in the state right now on our website. You can also email us at info at IllinoisRightToLife.org. And again, that's all spelled out. We are in the process, we're in the midst right now of what we're calling a pro-life training tour. So we're traveling all over the state of Illinois, teaching the people in the state twofold, both about how to have conversations with people they already have established relationships with, friends and family, uh, how to have conversations with them about abortion, because that's really where we believe will change hearts and minds. And then we also spend some time during this training talking to people about what is actually going on with legislation and what's actually going on with the region, you know, Missouri, Iowa, Indiana, Wisconsin, and what what role Illinois plays there. So people are welcome to host us for this training tour. They can just call us up or send us an email and request an event, and we'll set one up with them at their church, at their school, in their home. Uh, And that's really the best way uh, that we can begin to connect with people all across the region uh, is by having these events that we can meet with them face-to-face. I noticed that you mentioned a couple of other organizations, uh, Students for Life in America and the Thomas More Society, both of whom are very mm-hmm. heavily involved in this issue. Are you working with other groups as well, and are you coordinating your efforts? Absolutely. So we are in, we're, we're part of a coalition called Speak Out Illinois, uh, and that is a coalition of pro-life organizations, both pregnancy resource centers and also you know, just education and legislative organizations that we all get together once a month and talk about, you know, what we're doing and what's going on. Um, and we work very, very closely with all of those groups. So some of the mentionables are, you know, the Pro-Life Action League, uh, the 
ICE PAC. They're called Illinois Citizens for Ethics Political Action Committee. So a a lot of different pro-life organizations across the state that work regularly sitting down with and talking to them about how can we all work together and be on the same page. Have you been in contact with any uh, churches? Yeah, we've been in touch with a lot of churches across the state, specifically with this training tour that I mentioned. We have about 20 events scheduled between uh, it was be- between the beginning of September and the end of November, and we're always willing to take on more. So if there are any, you know, any Lutheran churches, particularly who are listeners of yours that would love, uh, that would be interested in having us, we would be more than happy to connect with them and schedule an event. Absolutely. Well, it's good news to hear. Uh, we do have, the, the LCMS is staunchly pro-life. Life begins at conception and it ends at natural death. Amen. So where do we go from here? Do you have friends in the state legislature? Are there politicians who are on our side on this issue? Are you working with them? Absolutely. We do have a lot of, you know, wonderful pro-life politicians down in Springfield, and we work very closely with them. This last year, despite the extreme legislation that passed, we also had the most pro-life bills introduced to the state legislature in Illinois in state history. So I think that should tell us something about where the priorities of our, our pro-life legislators are at. This is really at the core of what their what their goals are. You know, in that regard, what we're telling people to do nowadays is we're, we're approaching that time in the election cycle that politicians have to have their petitions turned into, you know, their state so that they can get on the ballot. If you're interested in helping out, uh, really getting involved in helping candidates one of the best ways is to connect with the pro-life candidate in your area, you know, House candidate, Senate candidate, and help them on the ground floor in terms of getting petition signatures and door knocking to tell people about them and about their initiatives. And these are the ways that we really encourage people to help our friends in Springfield and also to keep our friends in Springfield. That's really the best, the best thing that we can do. Well, as you pointed out, we're going into an election cycle now. Uh, of course, the uh, the entire House of Representatives, one-third of the Senate, are, uh, is up for a re-election. And, of course, the state legislatures, and even at the local level, there's going to be people involved here. And this is one thing where we can make our voice being heard. Absolutely, yes. That is very true. So how do we go? What do we do from here? Uh, as you, as We've got a long road ahead of us. I have a friend who runs a pregnancy resource center in the state of Illinois, and she herself is post-abortive and has a really profound and remarkable approach to what we're seeing in Illinois. Um, You know, things can feel very bleak. I think even in Missouri, a very pro-life state, we see the Planned Parenthood is setting setting up shop just on the other side of the state border, and that can feel demoralizing that, you know, Missouri has done all this work and now Planned Parenthood is still finding their way around the rules. Uh, And so my friend at the Pregnancy Research Center, she says that we know that in a state like Illinois, where things are as bad as they are, there are more women who need to be served than anywhere else. So that's really the approach that we are that we're taking is how can we serve women? Um, And in this process of doing this pro-life training tour, we have encountered so many stories of post-abortive women in our very church communities. And I think that's something that a lot of us who haven't been personally touched by abortion, I think that's something that a lot of us don't expect and don't realize that abortion touches, they say one in three women have had an abortion. Um, And if you've had an abortion once, there's about a 50% chance that you've had two or more. So Uh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, that's pretty profound. Um, So we have been, you know, 
going into churches and we've been talking to people who have shared with us that there are 50 plus women in their church community alone who have had an abortion, maybe had as many as five, six, seven abortions. And I know that sounds like a lot, but it's true. Um, And so these are the women that we really need to be reaching out to. And the way that we can do that is by, you know, putting a bumper sticker on our car that says we're pro-life or wearing a t-shirt that says we're pro-life that we expose ourselves to them so that they know who the pro-life people are that they can reach out to when they're hurting or they have questions or even when they're looking for someone to fight with. Because we found that some of those more contentious conversations are really where God is calling us to change hearts and minds and really where God's calling us to be compassionate and empathetic with the person standing standing in front of us. Abby Johnson is a perfect example. I mean, you know, and I tell people all the time, we can go down the list of all of the pro-choice activists who are famous for making that conversion to pro-life. You know, Bernard Nathanson was the founder of NARAL. Abby Johnson, of course, Dr. Anthony Levitino works with live action. Uh, Norma McCorvey herself, she was Jane Roe in the Roe v. Wade case. All of these people who made this conversion from pro-choice to pro-life in a very famous public way simultaneously made the conversion to Christianity. And I think as Christians, that should speak very directly to us, that we have a calling to bring truth to these people in a compassionate way, because really we're delivering the faith. We're delivering God to them when we do that. That's the approach that I take is that we just, we have a responsibility as Christians to deliver truth. And when we do that, the Lord plants a seed that it just flourishes in ways that we couldn't have imagined. And Abby Johnson is certainly, certainly an example of that. One thing I wanted to ask is, uh, Examining a little bit of, about the Illinois abortion law, it's supposed to be one of the most liberal in the country. And my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that it allows mm-hmm. abortion through the third trimester, and it even involves uh, public funding. Is that, tr- is that true? That's correct. So the, what this law did is it redefined what we consider to be health of the patient. Uh, in the state of Illinois, it was always legal to have a third trimester abortion if it was a threat to the, women, to the woman's health. Um, But, of course, that definition of threat to her health was very specific. It had to be life-threatening. Now, under this new law, that has been redefined. And a woman who is having issues um, in terms of her social health, her mental health, financial health, relationship health, all of those are considered viable reasons for her to abort her child in the third trimester. Um, So it's essentially elective. They don't use the word elective. But it's uh, I would say it's hard to make the argument that it's not elective when you can use almost any excuse to have that third trimester abortion. So in that regard, yes, it, it is allowed. Um, and it's interesting too, I would add the Guttmacher Institute is a research, research institute that Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion organizations use. And they have actually categorized on their website the reasons that women receive third trimester abortions. So I believe it's less than 12% of those third trimester abortions are performed as a result of the health of the mother, the direct health of the mother. All of the other reasons are because she, you know, broke up with a boyfriend or was just uh, just went through a divorce or she is afraid that she can't afford the child. She was kicked out of her parents' home. Issues like that um, are really the reasons that we see third trimester abortions, not actually because the mother's health is directly at risk. What about funding on this? I understand uh, Medicaid, Illinois Medicaid will, yeah. will help cover abortion. That's correct. So in 2017, uh, the state legislature passed and Governor Rauner signed a bill called that we refer to as House Bill 40. And it was a bill that allocated taxpayer funding to abortions through Medicaid. 
So in the state of Illinois, a woman can cross the border um, or she, you know, she can legitimately be a state resident or she can cross the border and claim that she's a state resident without any verification and have her abortion paid for with taxpayer funding through Medicaid. That's correct. So that's correct. A, a Missouri resident could cross over to uh, to this facility and say, oh, yeah, I'm an Illinois resident and they'll pay for it. Theoretically, yes, that is the case. There isn't a there is not a hard and fast verification process to determine whether or not these women actually live in the state. So the clinics are told that they have to simply ask them, but they're actually told not to ask for any sort of identification. Another thing was that uh, you, you pointed out that the uh, there's been no medical inspection of these facilities anymore. That's correct. So in Illinois, and this is a part of the law that just passed in the spring too, in Illinois, abortion clinics, even if it's a surgical abortion, they are not required to be licensed or inspected under the Department of Public Health. So there, you know, these clinics, we did a project that we, a research project that we posted on our website. You can go to womenshealthcomesfirst.com and see the results of that report that we put together a few years ago. We, we've recently updated it, but this report details the results of every inspection that has ever been performed on an abortion clinic, which most have been most most have been inspected after you know a significant injury to a woman or a complaint or something to that effect, but very few have actually been inspected and even fewer are actually licensed. So you can actually go on this report and see every abortion clinic in the state, how many have been inspected, how many are licensed under the Department of Public Health and uh, see what those, the results of those inspections actually were. And they are truly egregious. For anyone who has ever seen the Gosnell movie, this is real-life stuff that we're seeing in the state of Illinois, but it's just simply not, not brought to the public's attention because there are no inspections and no regular uh, checks and safety regulations at all for these clinics. Well, a nail salon is more tightly regulated, apparently, than abortion clinics. Absolutely. That is correct. Yes. Well, this has been an enlightening, if not frightening, uh, interview, and I wish yeah. you all the best that that uh, your, your efforts will, will pursue here. Well, we've got a lot to go, a lot to do, and a lot to think about. And I want to thank you for being on the program, and thank you for your efforts. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks for having me. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.